All right, good morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are. Today's Wednesday, October the 20th of 2021. It is Support Your Local Chamber of Commerce Day. All right. So shout out to the people who organize the businesses in your city Mm -hmm. and connect you guys together. It's a pretty big deal for cities. It's also National Youth Confidence Day. It's Medical Assistance Recognition Day. Chicken and Waffles Day. Mm. Which, that's good to it me. It is good. Uh, we also have National Chef Day today and International Sloth Day. Oh, I know. I want one so bad. One of the most exciting things we saw the last time we went to the zoo was the sloth. I would watch it forever. It would, yeah. They don't go very fast. I know. They feel like me on the weekends. <laughs> so we can celebrate all those things today. I'm kind of uh, a little bit concerned this morning. I was really excited about dinner because I went to the store last night. I was like, I want to make something different because we always eat the same things, yeah. right? And then Kai's like, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I thought I'm going to go completely on my own, and I made lasagna last night. So the one night you actually cook something really good instead of, instead of having pizza, yeah. and then that's the night you don't invite me. Well, you know, I think we did invite you at some point. I think my wife did, didn't she? I don't know. I think she might have. So we had lasagna last night and those uh, Cheddar Bay biscuits, those like red lobster biscuits. So you slaved over dinner. Well, how'd they like it? Eh. I'm not sure Kai really liked it that much. Really? Yeah, and I put like, I really, I probably used two packs of mozzarella, so there's tons of cheese and like the top is cheese and then it's a little bit crispy on the edges. And he's like, eh, not really sure about it. But I was so concerned, I kept asking, do y'all like it? Do you even like this meal? Because when you put that much effort into a meal, you want people to say they like it, even if they don't like it. Well, what did Leslie say? Oh, this is good. This is good. <laughs> I'm like, I could have spent half the money and made spaghetti in like 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah. and it would have been probably just as well received. So, yeah. A little bit feelings hurt this morning, mm-hmm. you know, but I'll get through it. We're all going to get through this day. It's Wednesday morning, and we're glad you guys are here with us. Let's throw one back on this day in country music with Brandon Baxter in the morning. So the year was 2002, and Keith Urban had the number one song in country music on this day. It was 19 years ago today. This song was the number one song in country music. Keith Urban had it, Somebody Like You. Let's do this hook one more time. Sometimes. 
Sometimes it's hard for me to understand, but you're teaching me to be a better man. I don't wanna take this life for granted like I used to do. No, I wanna love somebody. Somebody like you, number one on this day in 2002. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Hi, good morning. Welcome to Wednesday. It's October the 20th. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas. Brandon Baxter in the mornings. Gotcha gossip. All right, gotcha gossip today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We now know a special cameo in the upcoming Eternals movie. Uh, it's a pretty big cameo. One of the biggest, most mega pop stars in the entire world shows up in the movie as Thanos' brother. The person who shows up, well, it's Harry Styles. On a summer evening. It's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. So Harry Styles is going to show up as Eros, and they say he's mainly featured right toward the credits at the end. So if you're a fan and you want to kind of stick wow. around to the very end, you'll see him uh, as a part of that. Now, Thanos is a bad guy. Eros is a mm-hmm. good guy. So that's a big story as well. And of course, I'm sure you know by now, Harry Styles is playing Arkansas. It's going to be uh, coming up here at the Simmons Bank Arena in North Little Rock. It's Love on Tour, and uh, tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com if you want to go and see Harry Styles live. Got your gossip today on Adele. The scars of your love, they leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we could have had it So Adele has only been living in L.A. for a few years, but she's already accustomed to America's love of fast food, like, the mo- like most of us, uh, especially McDonald's. Uh, in a recent interview with British Vogue, uh, they have her taste test classic British foods like pickled eggs and pork pie. But oh. when it comes to Adele's ideal meal, like the one she would have if it was her last day on earth, she doesn't want British food. Here's Adele. My ideal meal, my death row meal, my last meal would be a chicken nugget with a Big Mac and then fries. That's my three course. I eat at least once a week. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it's always interesting to hear what foods and meals people have a love and craving for if like, they were to have that last meal. Adele's la- uh, next album is called 30. It's going to be out November 30th. But in the meantime, she we do have one single to listen to. It's her new single. It's called Easy On Me. Here's Adele. Go Adele, the song's called Easy On Me, and it's out now. 
I got you gossip today on Christina Aguilera. So Christina Aguilera is getting ready to make a big musical comeback. She's doing a Spanish language album, and she has a song that she's putting out right now that features Becky G and a couple of others. I believe it's pronounced Pa Mis Muchachas. You're probably correct. Uh huh. And it translates uh, in English to the words for my girls. But Christina Aguilera is also debuting a brand new look, a brand new hairstyle. She's kind of gone red and very sultry, kind of like a, a real life Jessica Rabbit. If you want to check it out, it's on Christina Aguilera's social media. Got your gossip today on Selena Gomez. So Selena Gomez has a show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building, which also stars Steve Martin and Martin Short. Well, she announced on TikTok that she was going to host a live stream to answer questions and chat with fans during the final episode. Now, Selena seems to love to try new things when it comes to fashion. She always changes her look, but her latest look may be her best yet. On the live stream, she surprised followers by debuting a brand new hairstyle. Uh, Basically, after we know Selena from those long, loose, dark waves, right? Well, we're used to seeing that. Now she has a sleek, blunt bob, and I love it on her. So it's yeah. like shoulder length, very, very sleek, very classy. If you want to check out Selena Gomez, her new look, just search Selena Gomez on Instagram or TikTok. There you go. And of course, every morning here on Brandon Baxter in the morning, we got you gossip. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So there's a new deal on Tinder I want to give you guys a heads up about. If you're on Tinder, maybe you're in a deal where you're in between relationships and you have places you need to go because sometimes things come up. And like a lot of events and weddings and things like that are kind of built around, hey, you and somebody else show up, right? It's like a couple deal. Yeah, like you need a date. A lot of people don't go by themselves. But Tinder has a new deal, a new feature in their app, and it's called Plus One. And basically, this isn't like trying to find the forever relationship necessarily. And I mean, I guess if it works out, it works out. But they say it's more for uh, one-off events like weddings and concerts. (laughs) If you just need somebody to go somewhere with you. You can use Tinder plus one. Hmm. You can also sign yourself up to be a potential wedding date. So <laughs> not really exactly sure on how this works out. I can't imagine going to a wedding and taking somebody I really don't know. Right. It, it how long have to y'all be- been together? Oh, it's our first date. <laughs> going to a wedding. Right. Man. But it's a new deal out there. And uh, they say a lot of people are kind of thinking this is something that's needed right now because the wedding season that's going to be coming up is going to be the busiest one in 35 <gasps> years. My goodness. I don't know exactly why that is or if these people need to have their heads examined. But plus one is the latest feature on Tinder. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right. So the pandemic has changed a lot about our lives. Uh, Early in the pandemic, a lot of people enjoyed the fact that they had more time to cook. If you remember, a lot of people were eating at home and they were all excited to have new recipes and things to try. And they were really excited by that. Well, at this point, they say a lot of Americans are exhausted and no longer wanting to cook at home. So that's one thing that's out there with this pandemic is people are kind of tired of the fact now they're having to eat at home more often. And I get it because I know a lot of my friends, especially my teacher friends, they felt like they were cooking breakfast and then cleaning up the kitchen, Mm. cooking uh, lunch, cleaning up the kitchen, cooking dinner, cleaning up the kitchen. So you're cleaning up the kitchen multiple times to cook. Yeah. But yeah. It's much easier just to go pick something up, throw it in the bag, and be done with it. 
Uh, other things, I was reading this deal that was talking about things that are irritating to people. Like when you're in quarantine and you're not going many places, there were some things that weren't as uh, stressful and annoying as uh, what they were before. And now we're reminded at how annoying life can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. They say the number one thing that people are annoyed by as things kind of get back to, a, uh, I guess, more of a semblance of normalcy is sitting in traffic. Oh, yeah. Uh, roads are more busy, and that means it's kind of crazy. And as I mentioned on the show yesterday, it's kind of crazy around here because it looks like nobody works anymore. Right, yeah. Because there's always traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things that are kind of annoying, uh, the second most popular answer was uh, taking COVID tests. <laughs> yeah. I've only had to do that uh, twice, I think. Once How many? Just me. once mm-hmm. for you? Other things annoying, they say filling up your car more op- more often with gas because we're driving more places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's annoying really uh, bad right now when you go and you look at the price of gas. Yeah, especially for people that only put $13 in their truck at a time. Oh, I feel like I have to be there every couple of days. And then I get mad at myself because I realize, oh, it's over $3 a gallon now. Mm. I went to uh, Harrisburg the other day, right? We went to Parker Homestead on, over the weekend. And gas at the gas stations in Harrisburg was legitimately... 30 cents cheaper than gas in Jonesboro, which I thought was crazy because I always thought gas prices were kind of on mark or on point kind of close. But and you would have thought when in a smaller town, they would have been higher, but they weren't 30 cents Hmm. less. Other things that are annoying that we're realizing are annoying again is just the fact that you're having to commute, uh, finding parking spaces as places get more busy. Uh, having to attend social events <laughs> because now that events are happening again and you're invited to them, you feel the need to go. Right. That's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And also having to go to meetings in person. Yeah. That's the one thing I loved about the pandemic, like meetings stopped, right. which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now they're back. So there are some things that uh, the pandemic helped with. And there are some things that have come back that were like, oh, gosh, the pandemic did make some of this a little bit better. But still, looks like we're digging out. I know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it. It's crazy. That sounds kind of crazy. You must be crazy. And people are crazy. So you can really work up an appetite running from the cops. Well, at least that's what I've heard. And that's why this guy was so brilliant. A man named Noel Cole was pulled over by police in Missouri. And he was wanted on a felony warrant, so he knew he was in trouble. The deputy started asking asking questions, and Noel started to make a break for it on foot. Well, the deputy took off after him, and he was able to catch up partially because Noel was carrying something in his hands. Ready for this? What? It was a Marie Callender's chocolate cream pie. Mm-hmm. So the local sheriff says the pie, quote, appeared to be extremely important to Mr. Cole. Quote. So it's important to uh, it be placed with his personal belongings, and it will be cap- uh, kept as safe as possible until his release. Right. So he must have really wanted that chocolate pie. Well, oh speaking of craving a chocolate cream pie, why did the cherry pie and apple pie break up? Ooh, I have no idea. Why did they break up? They were having crust issues. Oh, So, there you go. And there's even more proof that people are crazy. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. 
Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to you. Uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. Wait. Happy birthday to you. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday, October the 20th of 2021. Local birthdays, local celebrities. Here we go. Happy birthday goes out to the head girls basketball coach in Nettleton. Coach Jason Smith celebrates today. Happy birthday. Also celebrating Alexa Northcutt of Jonesboro, who turns five. Colin Bagger from Palestine has a birthday today. We have Jason Evans of Hardy, Brent Viney in Russellville celebrates today. Sherry Bond in Fayetteville. Christina Fisher of Jonesboro. Jennifer Stout of Jonesboro celebrates Amy Roscoe, also from Jonesboro, celebrating today. Candace Verhoeven from Wynn is celebrating Melissa Clark Miller of Truman. Tammy Webb of Jonesboro. Madison Helton in Leechville turns 10, a third grader at BIC, so shout out to Madison. Sarah Gentry of Jonesboro who says, I love you, Mom. And Whitley Beckham of Maynard turns 10. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say happy birthday to all y'all and you celebrate with these celebrities. There is a Victoria's Secret angel, Brandon, that is 33. I'm just going to see if you could say her name for me. I know that you're really good at saying all of the names of the Victoria's Secret models that are from other countries. What's her name? Candace? Oh, Swanepoel. Oh, Swanepoel. Thank you for helping us with that. She turns 33 today. You're welcome. John Krasinski, happy birthday. He turns 42. Of course, that's Jim on The Office. Snoop Dogg All right. is 50 today. Happy birthday, Snoop. When the pimp's in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you. Park it like it's hot. Snoop Dogg, it like 50 it's today. Park it like Jimmy Westbrook from Little Big Town is 50. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I can feel you again. Jimmy Westbrook, Little Big Town, turning 50 today. Happy birthday, Jimmy Westbrook. William Zabka is 56. That's Johnny Lawrence in The Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Uh, Kamala Harris is 57, the Vice President of the United States. Viggo Mort- Mortensen is 63. He's in Lord of the Rings. Also today would have been a birthday of one of uh, the legends of music, one of the most iconic uh, figures in music. Tom Petty would have celebrated his birthday today, so I thought we should do some Tom yeah. Petty. Last dance with Mary Jane, one more time to kill the pain. Lots of big hits from Tom Petty. I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got Tom Petty would have been 71 years old today. You don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. Happy birthday, Tom Petty. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground. And I won't back down.
given to a true music legend, Tom Petty, who would have celebrated today. Brandon Baxter in the morning. I get up Wednesday morning is here. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas. This is Country Music News on Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, we have Country Music News today on Morgan Wallen. Yeah, but now I'm dodging potholes in my summer silver eyes. You know, Morgan Wallen. I love you more than a California sunset. So it's official, Morgan Wallen. Uh, he's not doing just one show date in Arkansas at Simmons Bank Arena in North Little Rock. They've announced the second show. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be performing on Saturday, November the 20th. They've added in Friday, November the 19th as well. Two opportunities to see Morgan Wallen. And when you think about that, like there are very few acts of, of any genre who do two nights in one venue. Yeah. Like basically, who is it? It makes me think of Garth Brooks. And that's really (laughs) one of the only people who can do that. Morgan Wallen is doing that in Arkansas. So tickets go on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. But let me give you a heads up. Well, follow me on social media. That's really (laughs) all I can say. Follow me on social media for a little bit more on Morgan Wallen. But again, it's Morgan Wallen live in Arkansas. Show dates November 19th and November 20th. You can find the information online and right now at kfine.com. We have country music news on Garth Brooks. Operator, won't you put me on through? I got a semi love down the bad rouge. Hurry up, won't you put her on the line? I got to talk to the girl just one more time. All these shows being announced. So Garth Brooks is coming back to do not one show in Nashville, but two smaller shows that are set for November. So get this. He's set to perform at the historic Ryman Auditorium November 19th and 20th. No, he's not. <laughs> Just like the Morgan Wallen. Yeah. And uh, the show is called Garth, the Ryman and You. So the show's going to feature Garth telling the stories behind his songs as he performs in an up close and personal setting. Now it's going to be a lot different than the stadium tour show because this is going to be only sold. It's not going to be sold to full capacity. So it's going to allow room for social distancing, all of the COVID-19 protocols will be in place if you want to go you have to provide either proof of full COVID-19 vaccination along with photo ID or a proof of a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours of the event along with the photo ID now unvaccinated ticket holders who uh, attend with a negative test will also be required to wear a mask throughout the show but tickets for Garth the Ryman and you are set to go on sale this Friday morning at 10 with a four (laughs) ticket limit per person all seats will cost 250 yeah. All seats. I'm so, just going to tell you, I've been to the Ryman. It's a beautiful venue. The idea that everything feels like you're right on top of it, and it's Garth. It reminds mm-hmm. me of when Garth went to Vegas, and he was doing those kind of uh, more personal mm-hmm. shows, and they were kind of, hey, here's the history of my life. I bet that's what he does. 100% worth it. That's going to be awesome. All right, country music news on Casey Musgraves, who was featured on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She did her new song, Breadwinner, and we wanted to give you a, a little quick listen at that. It's Breadwinner, Casey Musgraves. Here's what he'll do. He'll play it cool when he hangs out with a woman like you. Say he's pressed by all your success. Tell you he's different than all the rest. 
Casey Musgraves. This is off her new album, Starcrossed, Casey Musgraves, and Breadwinner. That's your country music news on Arkansas's Morning Show. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. All right, we're joined this morning by the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University, Dr. Shane Spites. Dr. Spites, welcome back. Brandon Kelly, good morning to you. Thank you for having me back. So, you know, kind of last week we talked about eventually we we figure this will kind of transition off of COVID and that discussion. But it's kind of crazy because as soon as we say that, even though numbers are dropping, there's still tons of topical COVID stuff out there that we probably need to address because even though all of us want to say, hey, we're not going to pay attention to this. We want to put it uh, back there in the back seat. We want to put it on the back burner. There is still stuff going on that's topical that really does affect so many people. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you're exactly right. As much as myself included, we want all of this to be over, and we're certainly moving in the right direction, and things are looking great. We're not out of the woods yet. And, and one of the big concerns is what we're looking at in the upcoming next two months, specifically over the holiday season. A lot of people travel. A lot of it, some of the largest air travel that occurs in our country is between November, December, and January. Right. So in terms of the ability of something like a virus to spread around the country in areas that may not normally show up, there's a higher chance of that in the coming months. And we're watching, you know, some variants right now that, that could be concerning down the road. Hopefully not, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Right now, our numbers look great, though. Here in Arkansas, 550 cases on average a day. We continue kind of a slow downward trend. We plateaued there for a minute. I think it's great that we're starting to move down. I'd love for it to see us go any further. Mm-hmm. To compare in terms of where we are now, uh, to where we were just, you know, when the Delta variant, you know, before it hit us, we're about the same spot we were in mid-February. Oh, that's so if you'll remember mid-February back, you know, in January, we were really high in January. We were coming off a large peak in January into February on our way down. That's the same spot we are right now. That's great. Talk to me about the variant because, you know, I've seen, you know, we've heard these headlines, worldwide headlines. There's this variant they're seeing in the UK, this variant in, in different countries. Why do some of them come to the U.S. and why do some not? So like the one that you're seeing in the U.K., how would we not get that? Well, and that's a great question. And, and here, I mean, what it boils down to is travel. Is it, does somebody get on a plane in the U.K. and that is sick and doesn't know it and travel to the U.S. and lands in New York and steps off the plane and now spreads it throughout that airport to mm-hmm. people who don't have antibodies or are not protected or, you know, are capable of getting sick? And that's how it happens. I mean, we're a global economy. You know, we have global travel all the time. And so that's how the viruses uh, really get here. It's person to person. And so I'm glad you brought up the the thing about the U.K. That is a Delta subvariant. And not to get too technical, it's an AY 4.2 is kind of the lineage. But it basically is like an offspring of the Delta variant. And so consider it like a son or a daughter of the Delta variant. Right. We're not quite sure 
um, the details of it because we're still watching it. It's still fairly new. It's taking off in the UK. It's causing a lot of infections. Some reports say it may be about 10% more transmissible. So, you know, we talked about Delta variant. It could spread pretty easily. This subvariant seems like it spreads a little better. We don't know anything, though, about, you know, is it going to make you sicker? Does it, you know, does it make you um, uh, more likely to be hospitalized? The biggest question is, do your antibodies from the vaccine or from being sick infect you? And really, you're going to hear about variants. I mean, from now on, you're going to hear about uh, different COVID variants. The question that people want to know the answer to is, okay, I got my vaccine or I had COVID. Do, or do the antibodies created by either of those protect me from this variant or protect me from being hospitalized? And so those are the questions we want answered. And, and obviously, we don't have that answer yet either. So let's talk about the, the vaccine, because I was reading a thing this morning that said that President Biden is considering uh, recommending booster shots for people as young as 40 if you had Moderna or Pfizer. Is that what we're looking at? Is that something that's about to be real for those? Because, you know, we were seeing 65 immunocompromised, and now we're seeing as young as 40. So when we talk about booster shots, remember, we ourselves, we in the U.S., we don't have a lot of data on boosters. And so we've got to look at other countries that have been using boosters and say, okay, what happened in that country? What does the data show? What does the research show? So we look over at Israel. Israel used a ton of Pfizer and they were giving it to almost everybody. Like, they've now vaccinated most of their military with Pfizer, which is a lot of young individuals, obviously. And so we're watching that data and seeing how it comes out. They look, was there really a benefit? Early on, younger individuals, and when I say younger, I mean like the 13, 15, 18-year-old, 22, 25-year-old, there's really not a benefit from a booster from what we can tell right now on that data. They get very little additional benefit uh, from from taking the booster. So it's not really recommended. So what you're hearing now is the, well, you know, like we said, 60, 65, maybe down to 50, maybe down to 40. Um, I'm still waiting to see the data on that. Boosters do look good in the data groups that we're looking at, because we do know that over time, whether you've been infected by COVID or whether you've had the vaccine, your antibodies are going to start dropping. And so your immune system, in terms of how capable it is of fighting off the virus, it's going to start diminishing. And so the booster, as, a, as the name implies, boosts that immunity so that you've got a better chance of fighting it off quickly so that instead of ending up in the hospital, you may have a little runny nose or a cough. And so that's, that's the big deal about booster. But we're still re- re- really, it's, and as you said earlier when you started this segment, um, new information comes out almost daily. And so we take that information, and that's what we use to make decisions about, you know, okay, how does that translate here to the U.S.? Let's talk about uh, mixing and matching boosters, because I, I read this deal that was talking about how, let's say you got, like I did, uh, the place I went uh, the day I was there, was doing Pfizer. How can we possibly go in and now say mix and match boosters and I could go get Moderna? I'm not sure how that, that works. So, And that's a big deal, too. The FDA just came out in the last few days, and you can expect actually more specific guidance on that probably within the next week. Within the next seven to ten days, you'll hear more specific guidance on that. Um, that's a good deal. And so we weren't sure about that in terms of, hey, I had Pfizer, can I have Moderna? Or, hey, I had Moderna, can I take a J&J? I had J&J, can I take Moderna mm-hmm. now for a booster? The answer seems to be yes, you can. Um, and largely because at the end of the day, what is that vaccine trying to do? Well, it's, it's about targeting the spike protein and creating antibodies that recognize the spike protein. And so all of these vaccines do that and do that very well. So we weren't sure early on, but now the data that's coming out that we're looking at says, you know what, looks like you can mix and match. Hmm. And that's a big deal because, like you said, 
maybe I got Pfizer and maybe Pfizer's not available in my community, but Moderna is. Can I take the Moderna as a booster? Well, like I said, sounds like the answer is yes, but the FDA will have um, conclusive information on that within the next seven to 10 days. Let's talk pregnancy. I heard a story my wife was talking about the other day that, um, you know, people get pregnant, uh, obviously in the middle of a pandemic as well. There's some people who get vaccinated, some people who uh, don't get vaccinated because they're scared of effects. And and really, it seems like you, there's two sides to it because you can hear, oh, my gosh, if you don't get vaccinated, there could be these effects. And if you do get vaccinated, oh, my gosh, there could be these effects. What's the truth? Does it lie somewhere in between or are, are these vaccines safe for those who are pregnant? Or what do you think on that? Thank you for bringing this up. And let me be very clear with this. If you are pregnant or if you are thinking about becoming pregnant, you should get vaccinated with the COVID vaccine hands down, almost any day of the week and twice on Sundays. That's the answer. Because we have pregnant women that are dying in our state. We have women that delivered their children and they will never see their children because they died from COVID. This is, I mean, this is just, it's a very, very sad, sad deal that we're seeing really across the state. They've gotten hit in UAMS a lot with this. Um, I met with one of their their physicians just last week and just very sad stories about this. Um, I mean, the vaccine is safe. The antibodies that are created when a, when a pregnant woman gets vaccinated, those antibodies actually pass on to the baby. That is a good thing. That means you're passing on immunity. That's natural immunity you're passing on. Just like a flu shot for pregnant women or women that are thinking of becoming pregnant, you should have a flu shot. Because we know pregnancy in and of itself is an immunocompromising state. That's a big fancy word to mean your immune system doesn't work as well. So you're more likely to get sick. You're more likely to have a harder time getting over an illness. You're more likely to succumb to an illness if you're pregnant and you get sick. And so vaccines like the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine are vital for keeping you from getting in the position you don't want to be in. And so I, I can't reiterate that enough. The studies continue to come out about the safety in pregnancy. Um, we've had multiple studies, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, American Academy of Family Physicians, the uh, College of Reproductive Fertility, all of these organizations, national and worldwide organizations are saying, look, you guys need to get get vaccinated. This is the real deal. So I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for 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 bringing up that topic because that's an important one for sure. Yeah, and that was something that you know my wife brought up to me the other day because we knew somebody who was kind of having that debate. Uh, final thing, FDA. We were talking last week about the FDA and vaccines for for those who are five to eleven. Uh, we were thinking that was uh, going before the FDA last week. What did we learn about that? So that actually comes up uh, next Tuesday. Okay. So we'll have so you'll have you'll have fresh information next Wednesday on that. So October 26th is when the FDA will be meeting about the Pfizer vaccine for those age five to eleven. The data right now, and I haven't seen all of it, but the preliminary data looks really good in terms of the response. When they tested it in about 21, 2200 kids in that age group, they had the same response as someone in their teens, like a 17, 18-year-olds, which is a very robust immune response, which means it worked. If that's the case, we can expect to see the vaccine available in the first or second week of November uh, for that 5 to 11. That'd be huge, obviously, for a lot of our schools around here who are struggling with those elementary students who, who can't be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, very vulnerable population in terms of getting it and bringing it home to people. So that, that'd be good uh, to be able to see that uh, approved in the 1st of November. So he'll have more big information next week on our children and the vaccine. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University, Dr. Shane Spites. And Shane, we appreciate your time this morning.
Thanks, guys. I hope you guys have a great week. All right, we'll talk to you next week, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Mandy Daniel of the Jonesboro JCs. Mandy, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are y'all? We're good. good. Did you survive the Northeast Arkansas District Fair? I I think so. I still feel like I'm recovering, but you know it was a great fair, and uh, we're ready to keep going with the the rest of our busy season. Yeah, really. When you look at what the JCs ends up doing, it's like the the September, October, November, December. You guys are busy all the time. Yes, sir. We are. The you know the last uh, part of the year is. I mean, it's nonstop. It's like one project after another. But, you know, we do this for the kids, and that's really where it, that's what matters is the, the kids. So we're well, excited to do it. We don't mind. We like the hard work, and it's for a good thing. So. so I heard this week, and I wanted to have you on to talk about this. It looks like uh, the Jonesboro Christmas Parade, what will be the 74th annual Jonesboro Christmas Parade, is going to look much more like years past than what happened last year. Because last year, if you remember, we did a drive through Christmas parade, which was awesome. And it was the best case scenario for where we were in the pandemic. But you guys are pretty confident that this parade is going to be like it has been all the rest of those years. Yes, we are. We um, After seeing the turnout of the fair and seeing everyone really wanting to get out um, – we think everyone will be out. We think we're going to have more spectators. We're, we're hoping for more floats. Everyone's just ready to be back to normal. Yeah. And uh, we're hoping we can uh, provide a little normalcy with a normal Christmas parade this year. So when is the downtown Jonesboro Christmas parade? It is the first Thursday of December. So this year it's going to be on December 2nd. And it's downtown, um, and it'll be starting at 7 p.m. So if there's somebody listening right now, and they've always thought, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. I've been to the parade for many years, but you know, maybe you want to decorate a float. Maybe you have a business you want to show off, and you want to have a trailer and all the lights and all the prettiness. Uh, can people still be a part of the parade this year? Oh, yeah. We have sign-ups going currently, and you're, I'm pretty sure sign-ups don't end until the very end of November. So, like, the day before the parade, I think people can still sign up. So we're hoping everyone is excited and wanting to be in it. They just visit. All they have to to do is visit our website, and it's jonesboroparade.com, and um, just follow uh, the sign-up information and uh, pick what you want to do. I hope everyone is wanting to do a float. We're looking forward to lights, and and with Christmas and Toyland being the theme – we should see some pretty cool things. Now, also, is it right that you guys are looking to have uh, even bigger involvement from local marching bands in this year's parade? Yes. Um, we're going to do uh, the Best Marching Band um, Award again this year. And our very first sign-up was actually a K-12 through band. So we're hoping that that continues and um, we get you know all the bands in Jonesboro, you know, active in this because we love to hear the music all the spectators love it yeah. it's it's really needed in a in a, in a parade <laughs> well and one thing that people love being a part of if you're in the jonesboro christmas parade and you have the photos 
Those memories will live forever for the young people. My wife remembers being in the Christmas parade when she was young, and she just busted out a photo the other day. I'm like, that was the JC's Christmas parade, but she won a pageant and got to ride in a car, and she still has those memories. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, the parade is something that you do carry with you. I remember as a kid seeing the parade, and, you know, for the kids last year, they didn't get that. And, you know, I I hate that we had to take that away from them, but we're hoping this year that they get a little normalcy. They get to see Santa Claus coming down the road and get excited again. So hopefully this year with the kids, and um, we just we hope this will be a lot better this year. And then the Grand Marshal, every year your committee comes together and you try to figure out somebody who was topical, who did something really awesome for the community. And I think the person that you're going to have uh, as the Grand Marshal of the Jonesboro Christmas Parade, I think this year it's the perfect choice. Do you? We're so excited. We think so, too. This kid is amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone's read about him. His name is Alan Baltz, and he was in foster care and then was adopted. And then he entered this nationwide mullet contest and won. And he's giving all of his earnings back to the foster kids. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a kid giving back to the community, and the JCs are all about that. So he really envelops everything that we're about. Oh, and that's such a sweet story. And when you when you think about the fact that, you know, there were people competing in this mullet championship from big cities all across the country. The idea that, you know, small town Arkansas can win that, uh, that really speaks for what he was able to do and the message that was able to be delivered to this community. Definitely, definitely. I think he's def- definitely someone to look up to. I think the kids need to look up to someone and like him, and it's good that it comes from a little small town, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Again, you can find out more about the Jonesboro Christmas Parade. It's Christmas in Toyland. It's going to be happening on December the 2nd, a Thursday night in downtown Jonesboro. All the information and registration stuff is up right now at jonesboroparade.com. And, Mandy, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. We're joined this morning by a clinical psychologist, which makes me nervous every single time we talk to her. (laughs) Please welcome back to the show our buddy, Dr. Dana Watson from Families, Inc. Welcome back, Doc. Good Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling good. I'm up and at them. I mean, I'm I'm a morning person, so I usually run out of steam about two o'clock in the afternoon. But right now, I'm I'm killing it. So, do you have any type of routine? Because I mean, this isn't something we've ever even discussed with you. But do you have some type of mental health routine that you kind of kick off your day with? Is there something that kind of gets your day going the right way? Yes, there is. Now, I and I and I will be honest. I I do most of these things. Most of the time, but like all other humans, life gets in the way and, you know, self-talk gets in the way. But on most days, I get up early and I go for maybe a 40, 45-minute Pilates or yoga class. And then I come home and I try all the way home to be in my right mind and, Mm -hmm. and be thinking, organizing my day and be ready to see my family. But then I bet most parents can appreciate your children. You actually are in the same room with them, and they're right. running around, can't find things for school. They cannot find the book they need. They can't. They don't know where that other shoe is. 
And sometimes it takes a real sharp nosedive real fast. No, I get that. But then I try to get back on track. Just really, I mean, it's just a constant state of trying to get back on track when I fall off. So even somebody who, who has studied this, who's a clinical psychologist, we're not pretending like you don't have moments too, right? There's no point in, in pretending that <laughs> we don't have our moments. I don't think that we have to be um, mental health rock stars to be in the field, but I think we have to be accountable, right. you know, when we're in the field. It's just, you know, if we were accountants, I would expect that we would do uh, be more meticulous on our taxes, you know, and if we were dentists, I would expect that we would try to brush our teeth and make our children do that more often. So as mental health professionals, there is some additional accountability, I think, but uh, no, there's, there's uh, a real sharp dip from perfection. So when you need somebody to talk to, who does a clinical psychologist talk to? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, you know, we, again, it's very similar to people who are not, you know, you can surround yourself with people who are really good and supportive friends. You might have family, like I have a, I have a mother and I have a brother and I have a husband, I have great peer group, but also I'm surrounded by mental health professionals all day long. So I really do have peers in place that I can speak to um, when I'm struggling, whether it be with a, a patient issue or a personal issue. Um, you know, even I turn to the experts when I need it. Well, I just recommended you guys to a friend of ours uh, the other day who was saying, hey, there's some stuff going on in the family and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I, I sent the text. It was like, hey, you need to reach out to Families, Inc. because you guys have counselors that, that can basically talk to anybody and you got to find the right one. But there's so many people who work for you. You're going to find somebody you connect with. Oh, for sure. You know, and there are more people now, I think, um, than ever, especially in the last year, year and a half <clears throat> with the pandemic, who have who finally turned to professionals for that kind of support, whether it be what they're currently struggling with, or maybe it's just old stuff mm -hmm. from the past that's following them and, and, and creating a life or a mood that they did not want, you know, they do not want to be attached to any longer. Um, or maybe it's a chemical imbalance, but more people are turning to mental health, which, of course, makes me so ex excited, you know, as a professional in the field, that the, the mystery and the stigma is finally starting to be rolled away. Mm -hmm. um, and people are realizing that they can be in a better place uh, emotionally and, and, and better physically and behaviorally, and, and that's good for them and everyone around them. Dr. Dana Watson from Family Zinc is on with us this morning. She's very passionate about wellness and how really therapy and, and talking to somebody can benefit pretty much everybody. One question I kind of wanted to hit you with this morning, and maybe you can walk us through this. Uh, how do I know or how do people, how do the listeners know if they're kind of emotionally and mentally well? Because, I mean, you know, we hear, oh, do your, your checks with yourself, but how do we know what that looks like? Well, that's a good question, and truly, it's a little bit different for each of us. But in in um, you know a broad sense, when we are emotionally well, when we're in a good place, we're better able to connect with other people and have more more and more satisfying relationships. We have more um, enthusiasm and energy for our daily lives, and and even though we will encounter the same stressors. Um, changes, grief, um, and what I call gut punches 
as everyone else, it tends to be that we can encounter those and have still have a more optimistic outlook for the future. We still believe, even in the midst of a crisis or a change, that we can uh, persevere through it and that we can call upon our resources, whether they be other people or a professional or something within ourselves, and we can get to the other side. And when we're not in a great place, when we're really not emotionally well, and some of us will have those like periods throughout the day or a week, a real hard week that we don't feel well or a month or maybe it goes on even longer, but we don't seem to have that same amount of energy and enthusiasm, that resilience, that optimism. And I think, I think, you know, we are able to tell individually, like, I'm just not in a good place right now. I'm not where I want to be. Uh, And so I think we need to know on some level when we're in a good place and when we're not. So let's say that the people listening right now, let's say the parents feel like they're in a pretty good spot, but they're worried about their kids. Kids have had stress over the last year and a half as well because their lives have been shuffled too. So uh, how do we know what mental well-being looks like for our children? And how do we know if our child might need somebody to talk to? Yes, because adults are usually so busy adulting that we are we're managing, you know, these higher level household job issues. And sometimes we forget to check in with our children mm-hmm. and we miss some of the signs, you know, or the like emotional signs or behaviors that our children are not in good places. So a couple of things I'll say about that. Um, first and foremost, do check in with your children. And if you don't know what that looks like or you've never done it, it's going to feel awkward in the beginning. But it can be just a very quick conversation in the car every day. For my kids, they're used to me saying two hots and a knot. And so they are prepared and excited to tell me two good things that happened and one thing that wasn't great, mm-hmm. you know, or one thing that could have been better or that they could have done better um, every day. And so I can kind of just gauge how they're doing by what they're telling me. If there's recurrent themes, you know, if it's another person or something that I hear about more often. But then you can have a quick conversation just passing, um, you know, at the dinner table, tell me how things are going. You can check in with them at night when you're putting them to bed. You can call or text them, you know, if they're a certain age and just, I wanted to check on you and see how you're doing. Is there anything you want to talk about? And a lot of times they'll not know what you want or they'll not want to engage with you like that. But with repetition, it becomes much more normal and you're opening the door so that they know when something does come up, you really have been asking, you know, you really do want to know. Then you have to make sure that you you create space and you are intentional about listening to them mm-hmm. and allowing them to process all their thoughts and feelings, maybe without jumping in to fix it, maybe with just listening and empathizing with where they're at. And then the last thing, you know, just obvious behavioral signs, children who are not doing well in school, children whose moods seem to be down, if they are withdrawing socially, not engaging in some of the same behaviors or activities that they used to enjoy. You know, and, and I think just by um, recognizing some of those symptoms of agitated behavior, you know, if they're, if they're snapping at you when they didn't used to do that, when that's something that is, it looks like it may come from a place of pain, you know, just being aware of what they're going through. So before somebody begins, uh, I guess, a journey through mental health and therapy and stuff like that, I think sometimes therapy, the word, the idea can seem maybe uh, scary. For some people, it might be embarrassing to admit that you need help. 
but so let's say that somebody has those thoughts. Is therapy something that people should be nervous about and scared of? Um, well, of course, I don't think so because I'm in that office every day. You know, mental health professionals, we're, we're there all day. It's just like if you were in a, a proctologist's office or you're doing mammograms all day, it would not be unusual for you. It would just be one more day um, of that same line of work. But I do understand when people go in for some, uh, you know, private exams or mental health counseling, that it certainly can seem awkward, you know, or unnerving in the beginning. Um, certainly by just taking the first step and making the phone call and asking for an evaluation or what we call an intake to assess how you're doing, your mood and your behavior and what some of your goals may be, I think that people immediately find it so much more um, uh, easy and comforting and uh, a lot less stressful than they anticipated that it would be, you know, initially. The steps are pretty simple. You give us a call. We take your information. um, You're assigned to a therapist, usually based on the insurance type that you have and the needs that you have and and the expertise that you need um, for that issue. And then we kind of take it from there. And then it becomes a very comfortable partnership and relationship with a professional. So how's therapy, like when you go to you guys at Families, Inc., how is that different from just going and finding a friend or talking to your spouse? What's the difference in having those type of discussions versus having those discussions with your therapist? Well, those types of discussions can be helpful depending on who your support group, you know, who your friends are or who your spouse is, you know. So if you look at the relationship ships that you have and you feel comforted by them and you feel like that you can grow with them and that they give good advice and that they're helpful and they're compassionate and empathic, those might be excellent resources uh, in and of themselves or as an adjunct to therapy. But just like if you want to get physically fit or if you want to lose weight or if you want to improve any of your, you know, your um your blood, reduce your blood pressure or help stabilize uh, maybe, you know, blood sugar levels, you can do a lot of things at home and you can do a lot of things to improve on those issues yourself. But if you work with an expert in the field who, who has done this for years and who has, um, has, has received education and training and maybe additional certifications, you are much more likely to get better results, more lasting results, and honestly, quite a bit um, more efficiently, you know, by partnering with a professional. So let's say there's somebody listening right now, and they're not sure if they need therapy, but they know that they feel off a little bit. They're not as happy. They're not as energetic as they used to, or maybe they're going through something that's difficult, or maybe somebody's concerned about their child. What's the next step? Well, I think if somebody is struggling now or they are considering if this would be a benefit to them, I would strongly encourage them to to realize that they are um, deserving and they are worth creating a very healthy and well life for themselves. Also, for all the people around them, you know, for their families and for their um, co-workers, they those people also deserve us at our very best and at our very most well. And so they are uh, able to just make a call today and start the process 
and see that very quickly and very easily. They can get engaged uh, with a professional who can lead them through it and partner with them and get them to their goals. So much of our happiness is based on, uh, you know, the things that we've seen in our life and the fact that if you feel like you're not happy, bam, all of a sudden there's somebody there who can help you get happy again and all of a sudden bring you back out of your shell, make you feel like you're alive again. And Families, Inc. does that with people all across this region every single day. You can find out more at FamiliesInc.net, Families, Inc. Counseling Services on Facebook, or just call 870-933-6886. Dr. Dana Watson, clinical psychologist, Families, Inc. We appreciate your time this morning, and it's great to talk to you as always. It's always a treat to be with y'all. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Families, Inc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. All right. We're joined this morning by Rex Nelson, who is a committee member for the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame. And we want to talk to Rex about... Uh, the Food Heritage of Arkansas, the Hall of Fame, and all the stuff that's happening. So good morning, Rex. How are you? I'm doing great. Always ready to talk about food. Man, <laughs> let me tell you what me and Kelly say, and we say this a couple times a week. I will say to Kelly, I'll say, Kelly, what do you do when you're happy? I eat. Kelly, what do you do when you're sad? I eat. Kelly, what do you do <laughs> when you go out with your friends? We eat. Basically, <laughs> our lives <laughs> revolve around food. <laughs> So uh, tell us about this Arkansas Hall of Fame, because uh, I'm hearing about this. I didn't even realize this was such a big deal, but evidently, I mean, people want to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. You know, about six years ago, a group of us who decided it was really time to promote the Arkansas food culture got together. And uh, at the time, what was the State Department of Heritage, now the Division of Heritage, uh, we were lucky. They, They jumped in and said, look. We're going to take this and we're going to run with it. So we created an Arkansas Food Hall of Fame, and it gets more and more nominations every year. Last year, we had more than 2,000 nominations. They came in from all 75 counties of the state. We may top 3,000 this year. You can still make nominations till the end of October. But it was obviously something whose time had come. I mean, we kind of have lived in this shadow. You know, on one side, we got Memphis bragging about its barbecue. Mm -hmm. On the other side, we've got Texans who, of course, brag about everything. Hang on, Rex. Rex, 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 you're speaking to a former Uh Texan. Hey, I'm married to one. I've been for 32 (laughs) years. And and like I I tell her, I say, you know, that that brisket and those sausages you eat down there, it's good. But quit calling it barbecue. It's got to be from a pig to be oh, barbecue. Oh, <laughs> hang on now. See, here in Arkansas. <laughs> brisket's one of my favorite foods. But again, I mean, we're talking about that's a Texas heritage type thing. What do you think are some of the foods that really stand out in Arkansas? You know, sometimes I do what I call my Delta food tour. Where I'll leave with a group from Little Rock and typically go over to like Clarksville, Mississippi and back. Uh-huh. And we do what I call the three Delta food groups, which are which are barbecue tamales and fried catfish. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, so obviously uh, fish, you know, barbecue, even even tamales when you get in the eastern half of our state uh, are, are all things. But, you know, if I had to boil it down to one, uh, uh, 
Uh, Arkansas food, more than anything, is uh, good, fresh ingredients that are done simply and well. You know, if I yeah. if I had to define the classic Arkansas meal, it would be the old-fashioned meat and three, you know, yeah. where you go into a place and you get a pork chop or fried chicken for lunch. You add the turnip greens, and the black-eyed peas, and the fried okra or whatever three vegetables you want. That, to me, would be the classic Arkansas meal. You realize that I haven't had any food yet, and you're making me hungry just talking about all this food. <laughs> I've only had my banana here. I'm looking at the meal <laughs> right now. I probably needed more than that before talking about this. So as we look at this, uh, let's talk about the Hall of Fame and the different uh, categories you have, because this is a deal where uh, you know there's different, there's different ways, there's different rungs and levels of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we do three restaurants a year. And we decided to limit it to that because we didn't want to dilute the thing too quickly. So uh, it's pretty exclusive. We only do three restaurants. We do one proprietor of the year. Now, that can be the owner or it can be the chef or the cook. Uh, But we do only one of those a year. We do one food-themed event of the year, something like the Bradley County Pink Tomato Festival, uh, for instance, or, or, you know, uh, an oyster supper, something like that. We do one of those a year. We do one a year that always breaks my heart because it's gone but not forgotten, and I remember most of these places. It's great restaurants that are no longer with us. Now, our committee picks those based on the nominations the public sends in, but then there is also a people's choice category, which can be a restaurant that the people themselves vote directly on. So that is our other category. So those are the people that uh, that are honored each year, the people, the institutions, the businesses, the events that are honored each year by the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame. So who gets to choose who goes in and who wins? Well, there is an incredible committee, and I'm, I've gotten to know all of them and have been involved with it since we started six years ago. We've got chefs, we've got food experts, we've even got historians, uh, we've got past winners uh, on this committee. Believe me, they know Arkansas food. And when I say historians, the thing I always tell people is, yes, the food has to be good, but it's more than that. It's got to be a part of the culture. It's got to be part of the experience. Uh, to be even eligible as a restaurant, you have to have been around a minimum of 25 years. And that's a long time in the restaurant business when you consider that basically half of all restaurants go out of business in the first year or two. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So if people are hearing this and they want to nominate themselves, which I'm sure there are going to be people who do that, or maybe there's somebody who has a place and they're like, man, this place really deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, How can people go about nominating? Ark Food H O F as in Hall of Fame dot com. A R K F O O D H O F dot com. That's the website. Just go there and nominate. And again, we're open for nominations through the end of the month. And then you also am I reading this correctly, you have an app for the Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, there is an app. You can when you go to that site, you can download that and then you'll know you'll have the nomination form you'll have information on all the past winners and a lot of people have that because i have found food tourism is becoming bigger and bigger a lot of people 
will um, will go look at those past winners and they'll design a day mm-hmm. where they catch two or three of them all in the same day. When when I do one of those food tours, if you ever go with me, I'm talking about just to get our money's worth, we'll do five to seven stops in oh, a twelve hour goodness. period. So if you if you come with me, guys, you got to be ready to eat five or seven times in that day. <laughs> I'm telling you, we want to visit. We want to go with you because that sounds funny. And it's funny to me because when I think about traveling, sometimes let's say you're going on vacation, right? You and your wife are going somewhere. Me and my family, we're yep. going somewhere. I always plan a lot of that around where we want to eat. Like we're going to a different city. With the, maybe there's a restaurant there that we've never been to. There's a restaurant there that we don't have here. I love that. I think so many of us kind of focus uh, our enjoyment around food and the idea that there's an Arkansas I was, food I was hall. I say we're just alike. My family plans trips the same way. Yeah. We will we will delay sometimes leaving. Like if we're going down to the Gulf Coast or something, there's a place in southeast Arkansas we like to eat. We'll delay our departure so we can make sure they're already open for lunch by the time we get there. So, yeah, that's how we plan our trips. There you go. ARCFoodHOF.com, ARKFoodHOF.com to find out more. Hey, Rex, if I just keep your number in my phone and let's say I'm going to be in a different city and I say, hey, where should I eat? Would you be able to tell me? Send me a text. I, I get them all the time. You've got it now. Yes. So just, just text me and I'll try to help it out. All right, man. Hey, thanks for talking to us, and we want to stay in touch because we want to be the next group on that food tour, okay? All right. Now I've got to go find breakfast. This banana's not going to do it after all, all this stuff. <laughs> Rex Nelson joins us, a committee member of the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame. Have a great morning, man. Thank you. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. Joined this morning by the man you need. Need. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. Man's best friend, our best friend, and the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the morning radio program. Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care. Welcome back, Doc. Hey, thanks. Good to be back in the saddle. Hey, last week you were on the road. Do you feel like, um, did you enjoy your trip and you feel like life is back to normal this week? It's getting there. You know, it took a couple of days, but I think today's the most, most normal day so far. So it's going to be a beautiful day outside too, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's always good to get away, but it's good to get back to. You know, it's pretty neat. My dogs who have been, you know, when it's 100 degrees, when it's 98 degrees and the heat index is 110, the dogs don't really want to go outside. (laughs) At this point, we're having trouble getting the dogs to come inside. Oh, yeah. This time time of year, yeah, it's definitely, um, they they love this kind of weather. So is it cool, like, for people just to leave their dog roaming around in the backyard all day? Is that that fine? Because, you know, obviously if we're out there with them, it's one thing, but uh, I guess they have the tendency to start to explore if they're out there for too long. Yeah, you know, you you could leave your dogs out all day pretty much unattended if it's cooler weathers like like today and the rest of this week. But, you know, you just need to make sure that your area that they're in is very secure and there's not any gaps in the fence or – holes that they've dug that they could try to get out, make sure gates are latched and uh, all that. But, uh, yeah, as long as they have some water and some, um, you know, some shade to get into, they'll do good. So as we kind of get ready for cooler temps, you know, we're going to see temperatures in the 50s at night and then the 40s, and then we'll get down to the point where we're all complaining about it being too cold. Uh, What are some of the things we need to be thinking about as we kind of transition toward uh, latter fall, early winter? What should we consider with our pets? Well, this time of the year, and, and, you know, there's a lot of things we talk about as the winter goes on. And But one thing I will mention is this is the time of the year 
when a lot of people will start, you know, they'll see some mice or some rodents kind of activity, you know, in the garage or even in the house. And they say, so they may decide, they think they're going to put out some rodenticides to keep them from, you know, basically raising babies in, in their in their house or garage. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but these rodenticides, while they're very effective at eliminating mice and rats and other rodents, um, you know, sometimes our pets can get into them. And it's more of a problem really with dogs and cats. I mean, cats can be inquisitive and they may try to eat some of the bait. But these are, you know, these anti, the, the, the type I'm talking about now is the anticoagulant that interferes with a rodent's blood clotting ability. Hmm. And it acts the same way in our pets. And these can be in like a hard bait block or some soft baits that kind of have a Play-Doh consistency or even uh, pellets that could be in a powder or mixed in with some, some grains. Um, they, they usually are colored kind of a blue-green color. So if you ever notice your dog uh, has thrown up something that's bluish green and you've had a history of putting out rodenticides, you know, you need to seek, uh, at least call, call your uh, veterinary clinic and, and seek some um, advice on that. Um, and this, the way this works, uh, the way the class of anticoagulant uh, rodenticides works is uh, it interferes with a vitamin K recycling in the body, vitamin K1. And, and that particular vitamin is needed um, in certain to make certain clotting factors, which helps the blood clot and control bleeding. So the rodenticides prevent that recycling, and you get a decrease in vitamin K levels. And then when those factors are too low, the basically the blood doesn't clot, and that's how it causes the death of the rodents. Oh, wow. But unfortunately, it works the same way in dogs or cats that get into it. And so, you know, you usually don't see anything. If if you actually saw your dog eating some of the bait, um, you know, you wouldn't see anything. They they don't usually act sick for one to three days. And it takes that long for the clotting factors to be used up, and it can't replenish any new ones. So it could be three to seven days before you actually see the uh, the effects of the poisoning due to blood loss. And it's not, you know, it may not always be obvious bleeding. You know, a classic case would be if they, um, you know, maybe have a nosebleed or, you know, just a spontaneous nosebleed. Uh, or you see some little hemorrhages like in the whites of their eyes or uh, on the inside of their ears. Um, sometimes you can see blood in the urine. But a lot of times this bleeding will actually occur like in the chest, in the abdomen, even in the GI tract or the, uh, the joints in the body. Um, and, you know, usually your pet, if it's had some excessive bleeding that you don't see any external signs, you know, the internal bleeding signs could include weakness. Uh, they may have pale pale gums. They uh, may have an enlarged abdomen if it bleeds in the, you know, if there's a bleeding episode in the abdomen. Loss of appetite. It may have some really dark stools. And then, like I said, swelling or pain in the joints or bruising. And, um you know, the, the important thing is if you actually see your dog eating the uh, rodenticide, you know, you should do anything you can. Uh, try to take uh, methods to get them to vomit. And we've talked about giving hydrogen peroxide orally. Uh, you know, if they don't vomit within 10 or 15 minutes, you probably need to seek veterinary attention so we can give a, uh, an anti or an emetic that will induce vomiting. And, um, you know, even if you do get uh, them to vomit, you should probably still seek veterinary attention because they may have 
you know, even though you see them eating it the one time, they may have eaten it the day before, and that's already been absorbed in their body. So we usually err on the side of caution. And, and the actual uh, antidote for this, if it's a suspected case or an ingestion, and you're just covering the bases, is to actually administer some uh, vitamin K orally, and that's usually done for two to three weeks because some of these newer rodenticides, they can suppress those clotting factors for a longer period of time. And, um, you know, it's, it's basically if they're actively bleeding, there's an injectable form of vitamin K. Uh, we usually get them, uh, get them started on and then follow up with the oral medication. In some severe cases, if there's been a lot of blood loss, it may involve giving a blood transfusion. So, um, and I see several cases of this every fall, maybe not necessarily the um, actual clinical toxicity where they're poisoned from it, but, uh, you know, we get calls in the fall from about now through through the winter, uh, you know, the dogs have gotten into some of the uh, rodenticide bait that has been put out. And and dogs are very curious, and I don't know what's in the, in these, but it, I see a lot of dogs that would rather eat this than their dog food, you know. So they see <laughs> something there that hasn't been there before. It apparently is very attractive to the rodents. So there's something in there that, you know, encourages them to want to try to eat it. And so if you do have to put these out, just really get them in a place that, that dogs cannot have access to. And remember, they're very... Um, you know, very curious, and they'll try anything if they think there's some food hidden behind something. And, uh, you know, it's better to try to prevent this because sometimes if it gets a severe intoxication with it, you know, it can be fatal in some cases. Wow. He is the man you need. Need. He is Dr. Kevin Reed, man's best friend, our best friend, and the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the Morning Radio program. You can find out more about vet care if you go to vet-care.com or on Facebook. Just search Vet Care Jonesboro. Dr. Kevin Reed, Wet Nose Wednesday. Thanks for talking to us, man. Hey, y'all have a good day, and we'll talk to you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Corey Keller, who is co-hosting the Miss Arkansas State University pageant tonight. Uh, Corey, where do we find you this morning? Hello, good morning. I am in my car at work. (laughs) (laughs) So you snuck out Hanging just out. you snuck out just to talk to us. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's interesting tonight. It's kind of a, a cool deal for you because you get to go back to really, I guess, the spot, the scene where you uh, first won Miss Arkansas State University a number of years ago, uh, where you were introduced to the pageant world, and tonight you return as a co-host with David the Barrel Boy. Yes, it really is a full circle moment. This is the 47th annual Miss A-State, and I was the 44th, so about three years ago. And Miss A-State really kind of changed the trajectory of my life. At that point, I was working towards my exercise science degree, which I ended up completing in 2020. And now I'm doing sports broadcasting. So you can say it's very different, but Miss A-State kind of gave me that skill set to be able to be confident to want to be on media. Well, if I go back and I, I kind of, uh, I, I think about the first time we met you, you came into the studio, you had just won the night before your mother was with you. You made your mom sleep on the floor. Um, <laughs> and, and that's a true story basically. Um, and then, you know, you were like, Hey, I just tried this pageant thing to kind of see what was going to happen. And then you ended up on the stage in Miss Arkansas. It was a pretty wild, uh, that, that introductory year was pretty wild, wasn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. It was my senior year. I'd competed the year before when Destiny Quinn won, and I was first runner-up to her, and I absolutely adore her. She's one of my best friends. Um, and I did not make my mom sleep on the floor. She slept Morning. on an air mattress. Correction. Where was the but air yes, mattress? It was on the floor. In my college dorm room. Yes, it was. He'll twist um, your words until it makes it sound like what he wants you to say. Her poor mother slept on the floor. Details, details. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that interview really kind of changed everything for me. That it became... It just kind of put my name out there in the community, and I got to make a lot of appearances because of that interview, and it really showed me how much I love media and just got me pointed in the path of where I am now. So thanks, guys. Hey, you're welcome. Any tele- If you make it to ESPN or Fox yeah. Sports, any of those things, if you'll just give me credit in your documentaries, I'd appreciate that. Right. I'll put you in my Wikipedia bio one Ooh, day. Ooh, that's good. Oh. All right. So you're back on stage tonight <laughs> with David the Barrel Boy. Again, it's Miss A-State. Uh, what do you think's going through the minds of, the, uh, of these young ladies as they're preparing for tonight? Well, a university pageant is always so interesting, especially when it's on a Wednesday because you have to go to class all day. So <laughs> these girls are going to class. They're getting ready. They're probably nervous. It's just kind of a whirlwind of a day and if you don't slow down to appreciate it you'll miss it but it is a lot of fun and i just wish them all the best of luck what will they have to do tonight uh, when they're on the stage well during the day in between classes or whatever else they've got going on they will do a private interview and then on stage tonight we'll do a big opening kind of opening ceremony introduce all of the girls they'll do on stage question and give a social impact pitch they will do evening gown and talent, and then we'll crown. Is there any truth to the fact Kelly was telling me she heard David was not allowed to be that close to the girls? Is that true? <laughs> oh my gosh, no! She's allowed to do whatever he wants. <laughs> Let's talk about Apple Denny. I had the chance to talk to her. Um, it was one of the one of the A State home games, and you know she sang the national anthem and did such a great job and. Uh, you know, we've seen her, uh, I guess, be Miss Arkansas State longer than anybody else in the history of the pageant. Yeah, she was crowned in February of 2019. If no, 2020, I think. If I'm, you know, math is hard. Sure. Um, <laughs> and because of COVID, there was no Miss Arkansas. There really wasn't a year of preliminaries, and she got to be it for two years. We actually ended up changing the date. It's traditionally in February, but now it's in October just to allow more freshmen and just have a bigger variety of girls compete. And we're really excited, but we're also so proud of Apple and the amazing job she's done this year. And you'll get to see her perform tonight as well. So an added bonus for when everyone that's listening comes. So how many participants do you have in Miss Arkansas State University this year? There are 13, which I feel like should be some form of a record because that is a lot. That's the most we've seen in the last few years. So I I know because I've seen some of the stuff on social media, basically the uh, Miss A-State social media, that you're getting introduced to uh, the contestants already so people can kind of get a sneak peek at who's going to be there if they go to the socials. Yeah, absolutely. That will actually end up being a scholarship. What some people don't realize about this pageant or this organization is that Every award that's given out tonight is a scholarship. There will be $5,000 will be given to Miss A-State, and then there will be various awards throughout the night, like the social media awards. So make sure 
to check out Miss A State on Facebook and Instagram and give your favorite contestant a like. So it's Miss Arkansas State University. The pageant, it happens tonight at the Fowler Center on the campus of Arkansas State University. Uh, Corey Keller's going to be there co-hosting. Corey, do you feel more pressure uh, from the time when you were competing on stage, or is there more pressure to co-host? Oh, definitely competing. Your nerves are going to be a lot higher. This is my first time ever emceeing, I would say, an official pageant. I've always done like little kid pageants, and those are so Mm -hmm. fun, but... Um, hosting a preliminary is going to be a lot of fun. And David is a pro, so he'll help me through the whole process. He's been dieting for the last couple of weeks to prepare to be on stage as well. (laughs) I'm not sure about the evening gown. We'll see how that looks on him tonight, though. He's a little pale. Yeah, that'll be an interesting. He needs a spray tan. He does. Corey Keller joins us this morning on the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families, Inc. Corey, have a great day. Thank you. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So you can go back and check out our podcast today. It is the Brandon Baxter in the morning podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, even on your Alexa devices. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play the Brandon Baxter in the morning podcast. Kelly Perry, what's on TV tonight? The Masked Singer is on tonight. The season finale of American Horror Story. Uh, four Hours at the Capitol on HBO. It's a 90-minute special featuring never-before-seen footage and first-hand accounts from lawmakers, staffers, police officers, protesters, and rioters who stormed the Capitol building on January 6th. So that should be interesting. The one-hour special superstar with Robin Williams, the guy that – have you seen the the preview of that? The guy that plays Robin Williams – is really, really spot on. Okay. So that's, that's going to be good. Watch What Happens Live with Megan McCain, and tonight's schedule also includes DC's, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Chicago Med, Batwoman, and Chicago PD. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow morning on Brandon Baxter in the morning.